Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power, and about mighty wonders. Notice, we're not going to tell the next generation about dead religion, and you have to go to church, and you have to pay your tithes, and you've got to make sure you're there. No, we're not telling them that. We're telling them about God's glorious deeds, his amazing power, his personal presence, and his mighty wonders. The Christian life is centered around a relationship with Jesus Christ, not a works-based religion. Today, Pastor Mark will show listeners why a message of love and relationship will be remembered more than a message of do this and do that. Jesus came to have fellowship with people, not to administer a list of rules. The perception that Christianity is binding and strips people of life is a false one. Jesus came that we might have life and live it abundantly. What message and fragrance of Christ are you leaving behind today? One based on religion or relationship? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Ephesians as he begins part 14 in his series entitled Unlimited Opportunities. Well, today, in our Bible study, God, uh, he's going to use stones. He's going to use stones to teach us some amazing lessons. And as we do that, they're going to be lessons that God gives and God instructs. And they're lessons, well, for the people in the book of Joshua, but they're huge lessons for you and I today. So before we get there, let me just review where we go in a moment. We'll be in Joshua chapter 4. You can turn there. That's where we'll start. Let me give you a quick review. Moses has died, and Joshua is leading, he's the new leader, about 2 million plus Jews into the promised land, the land we call today Israel. But first, they had to cross the Jordan River, which was at flood stage, and a mile or two wide, impossible for them to cross. But God was once again going to prove to them that nothing was impossible with him. So the people needed to just listen to God, obey him, and step out in faith, and that would provide the gap to get into the promised land. So God came to Joshua and gave him a plan. Here was part of the plan. The priests went to the edge of the water, and they were carrying the Ark of the Covenant, which in those days represented the presence of God. 
And the minute they were instructed, the minute their feet touched the water, God supernaturally blocked the water upstream. Boom, it just stopped it. Big wall in the Jordan River. And the water that was in there just drained right on down to the Dead Sea. In between there was dry ground. So the priests were instructed to walk out into the middle of that riverbed and stayed there while all, for many hours, while these two million people walked impossibly, except for God, on dry ground to the other side. They arrived into the promised land, first time in more than 400 years they got to where God was directing them. We pick up the true story, Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. Now, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, more instructions, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down in the place where you will stay tonight which is going to be about six miles from the edge of the Jordan River. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, so it's not a little rock, it's a big rock, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. So God said to them, and you're going to see in our story today, there's two, two times that they did something with stones. The first time, they were to go in the middle of the river, and he picked 12 guys, each tribe, and they were to take this and carry on their shoulder all the way back to where they were going to camp that night, Gilgal. And they were to make there, uh, put the stones up on high. Now, why would God do this? What was God trying to say? Well, we see the answer in verse 6. To serve as a sign among you. In fact, in the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? What do they signify? Here's what you tell them. Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. Notice the principle. These stones are to be a memorial, a sign, a reminder to the people of Israel for how long? Forever. Forever. So these stones were going to be a, a monument. They were going to be a reminder. What God was saying was this. When the people looked at the stones, if the stones could have talked what would the stones have said? In other words, if the stones had watched everything, and they did, that had happened, what would the stones have said about this amazing miracle? So the ancient Israelites did what God said. They constructed a monument of stone to mark an important event in their history. These 12 stones were to remind them as they set them there in the camp that God was among them. 
And it was an amazing miracle and that God was still working in their lives. Now, we know, basically, that stones don't really talk, but God designed them to speak volumes without talking about his power and presence. But notice, back in our passage, God instructs certain people to talk. And the people he instructs are parents, are parents. So today, who are these talking stones? So just take a look. First thing you write down at all of our campuses, Vera, Sebastian, East Orlando, here in Melbourne. First thing you want to know, the talking stones today are a mother's and or a father's history with God. So the stones were going to represent what mom and dad had experienced as they crossed the Jordan. For you and I today, the application is they're a mother and father's history with God, and they're going to speak. But I want you to look back at verse 6. Look at back verse 6, and I'm going to read it a little differently. Notice it says, in the future, when your children ask you, parents, let me read it like this. In the future, when your children ask their Sunday school teacher, is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that. It says, when your children ask you, their parents, you are to speak. You are to open your mouth. You are to tell them. You see, God has always delegated to the parents the total care of their children, body, soul, and spirit. Before there was a school, before there was a church, before there was a government, there was a family. There was a home. God designed it that way. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying that God put parents in the home not just to raise the children, obviously, from, from the, the, the physical nature, that's sperm and egg, here comes the kids, but those children would live forever somewhere. Heaven with God, hell separated from God. They're a living spirit. They will never die. And so the parents are to be talking stones. They're to be relating to their children about God and how to do life together. That was always God's principle. It is the same principle today. But we have a problem. The reason I put Sunday school in there is because of this. Many of you that are here, and many of you that have children here, maybe you brought children, and they are in our Sunday school today. Why are they in our Sunday school? Well, many of those that are in the Sunday school, they're your kids, so you're doing the right thing. But many of them never had a parent to share anything with God because their parents don't know God. So what do we do? As a church, we step in and minister to those kids so that they will know who God is, how he works, and how he can direct their life. What do these stones mean to you? The child is going to say, Mom and Dad, what do these stones mean to you? What does God mean to you. Speak to me. Now, I want to give you an illustration. 
And I want to show you where I'm going with this. Let's say as a parent or a grandparent, you go to the doctor and the doctor says this, you have less than one year to live as a parent or a grandparent. Let me ask you a question. What lessons would you transmit to your children or grandchildren? If you knew you only had one year, what principles have you learned from following God that you would share with your children or grandchildren? Now, whether your children were young or students or even married, what would you, if you only had a year, what would you share with them about God in your life? Well, what was God trying to do? Very simply, a principle. You're in the right chapter. Go down to verse 21 and verse 22. Now watch this. God is going to repeat the same thing again in the chapter. Notice verse 21. And he said to the Israelites, in the, here's a key word, future. When your descendants ask their fathers, mothers, What do these stones mean? Tell them. Israel crossed the Jordan on ground. What kind of ground? Dry ground. And of course, in the story, will not just be that Israel crossed, but God enabled them. And the whole story, what happened? So he says in the future, these stones would be a teaching tool for succeeding generations. Why does God do that twice? Why does he say this thing again? We just read it. Why do we have to get on to verse 21 we see it again? Because we forget about the goodness of God. What God was trying to say to the children of Israel is this. Remember not to forget me. Now, God is repeating it. Whenever you see anything repeated, especially in the same chapter, God was emphasizing a huge truth. I want you to see the truth, and I want you to write it down on all of our campuses. Here's what God was doing. God wants the next generation to know him. God wants the next generation of children to know him. That was the principle. Now look at Psalm 78.4. You see it there. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord about his power and about mighty wonders. Notice, we're not going to tell the next generation about dead religion, and you have to go to church, and you have to pay your tithes, and you've got to make sure you're there. No, we're not telling them that. We're telling them about God's glorious deeds, his amazing power, his personal presence, and his mighty wonders. Now, when you look at that, here's what we're going to do today. Why that? You need to know that society is always one generation away from forgetting about God. So way back then, thousands of years ago, God had a plan. The only way to take the gospel, the only way to take the the understanding of God to the next generation was for the parent to do that. So today, we're going to have six talking stones. And they're going to be principles that we need to teach our children and our grandchildren. There are actually hundreds I could give you. I'll give you a few extra in there for extra credit, get you to heaven earlier. You'll, you'll see them when I get them. 
But in case you're here and you're a teenager and go, thanks a lot. I'm here. What in the world does this have to do with me? I'm not a parent. I'm not a grandmom. I have, these have nothing. No, these six principles are for every person alive on the universe. So learn these six. They're for every single one of us today. I'll go through them quickly, but they're amazingly powerful. And these rocks are going to talk. These rocks are going to talk. So get ready. We're going to listen to them together. Now, how do we teach? It's the same principles that I use here. Parents, you teach by, number one, your words, what you say. Number two, you teach by your attitude. Is attitude important? <laughs> what if I said to you, none of your parents are any good? I don't even know why I'm sitting in this room. You guys are useless. Oh, you'd be listening, wouldn't you? Well, what if you say to your kid, do it. Well, why, Dad? Just do it because I'm your dad. Well, that's a great teaching lesson. It's coming through. No, attitude's huge. And what's the third way? By your lifestyle. That's huge. See, it's not just words coming out of my mouth. Let, look at me just for a moment. The reason many people never transmit anything to their children is because they have nothing to transmit themselves. I gave you that extra I'll share with you in a moment. Now listen, here's where I was going with that point. A parent cannot pass on, a parent cannot pass on what they've not personally experienced. See, you can know all about God, but if you've never experienced God, you cannot pass on that vibrant personal relationship. And that's what's happened in England, and that's what's happening today. I can't pass on what I don't already have. You want to have an experience with God. These people are able to pass on what happened in the Jordan River because they walked through on dry ground. Huge principles for us to learn today. So let's go down to verse, go back to verse 8 where we were. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to the camp where they put them down. So in other words, they took them and put them in that camp. Now, let me give you the, uh, the first of the talking stones today. Talking stone number one, just to write the notes on all of our campuses, here it is. The, the first thing that you want to transmit to your children to your grandchildren, first thing you want to learn as a person, me too, is this. Life is all about God, not you. The sooner we learn this key, the better. You see, in the Bible, it begins like this. And Mark created the universe. I think not. How does the first verse of the Bible begin? God. Done. Now, when our kids are born, who do they think it's all about? It's all about them. Here we come running. Those of you that have a dog, when you sit down to eat, where do they come? Who's it about? Them. We have to learn it's not about us. It's about God. Life does not revolve around us. It revolves around God. He has to be the center of our life. Now look at Ephesians. It kind of talks about how this fits. Ephesians 1.11. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. 
You see, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, you have no idea who you even are, and you have no idea the purposes in life. Long before we heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs uh, on us and for his glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. So one of the first things I want to teach my my children, my grandchildren is this. God has an amazing plan for your life. Before you were even a glean in mom and dad's eye, God had a plan for you. He knew you were going to be created, and that plan is amazing. If you take, if you take the God out of what happened to the children of Israel, they're on the other side of the Jordan. They have nothing, and they're going nowhere. If you take God out of your life this morning, you're going nowhere. Oh, Pastor Mark, I'm not in the God thing. I'm not really serving God. I'm having a great time. I'm going everywhere. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what you'll find out for sure. Every road you take without God will be a dead end. Well, Pastor Mark, I got all that you say. I have nothing, man. You should see the stuff I have. Yeah, let me tell you another principle. Life does not consist in the abundance of stuff. So eventually you'll be empty, lonely, guilty, and afraid of dying. That's why Jesus came. That's why God came. We have to have a relationship with him. Everything must be centered in who God is. And my life revolves around God, not the other way around. Number two, talking stone. God will keep his word. God will keep his promises. We have to simply listen, which we're doing today, and obey. How did the people get safely across to the promised land? They listened to the instructions of God, and they obeyed him. How did you get where you are today? If you're a follower of Christ, you got here by listening and obeying God. In every area of our life, God is speaking. The key to life is to listen to his word, obey it, and good things follow. Keep your finger right there. Turn back one book, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Go down to verse 6. You will see this repeated again. And these are principles not just for our children or our grandchildren. These are principles for every single person in this room and any of our campuses, Vieira, East Orlando, and Sebastian, those of you watching by the internet. Deuteronomy 6, just one book back. Look down at verse 6. These commandments, we would call that today the Bible, that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. You see, following God is not a thing of the mind. It involves the mind, but it's of the heart. It's because we get to impress them, the principles of God, the word of God, on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. My Bible, one of those areas, by verse 7, here's what I wrote. Might be a good thing for you to write. 24-7. What's God saying? I'm with you all day long, from the beginning to the end of the day. God wants the next generation to know Him. Today we were challenged by Pastor Mark to consider what sort of legacy we are leaving in this life. We also learned that this starts with parents, to teach by their words, attitude, and lifestyle. A lifestyle that is lived for God and not for self will send a strong message to children and grandchildren. What kind of Christ-like example are you leaving behind today? Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. 
There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on today's date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. What promises can you rely on that will help you live for God and not yourself? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will give listeners several truths to hold on to. Waiting on God is not easy, but essential. We know that He will provide for us and never leave us. How sweet of a truth to hold on to. As you adopt these truths for your life, you can begin to live with no fear, no excuses, few regrets, and unlimited opportunities. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry.